praise God for that. Because we know what the enemy meant for evil. God's going to turn it for good. Amen? We going to see a victory? Yes, we are. Come on, people. Let's get excited this morning. Y'all want victory or not? All right. We're going to talk about victory today. We're in week three of our series, Screens. And, and you know, it's interesting. During this spiritual journey we've been taking, we've seen where screens can actually be used or technology can actually be used for good. It can actually be used for good in this world. And, and there is some good that comes out of it. But unfortunately, at the same time, we've seen these nuances or these times when it's just plain out evil. And what it's used for is very bad things. And even when we talked last week, you know, we talked about how when we use screens or we've got this keyboard in front of us, how we seem to forget the person on the other side of that screen or the other side of that keyboard is our neighbor. But we don't show them any type of love whatsoever when we've got that computer in front of us or that keyboard in front of us. We don't show love for one another and we're very quick to just post something out on the internet. We're real quick to reply to something. We're real quick to just, well, I don't agree and this is what it is. And instead of filtering it through what God's word says, we'll be way too quick just to react. And hey, I'm guilty of it. I, I've been there. I've been there. I've done that. But at the same time, I, I try now and more and more that when I'm, before I react to something, use them filters and ask myself, do I or should I really do this? And it's something that we all should be looking at. You know, we're, we're called to walk in love. We should walk in love. And, and doing this as believers sometimes may mean that we got to give up some things. We may have to give up some things that keep us away from God or keep us away from other people. Let me say that again because I think some of y'all ain't listening. Sometimes we may need to give up things that distract us from God and other people. Are you willing to give up things that distract you from God? Most of us say, yeah, if it's distracting me from God, I'll give it up. But what if it's distracting you from other people? What if it's distracting you from your kids or your spouse or grandchildren or maybe coworkers or maybe even brothers or sisters in Christ? You see, technology and screens can ultimately distract us. And our job is to present this gospel distraction free. And we're going to be talking about that today. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 21. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Uh, using technology and screens, yes, it will also be up here on the screens. Uh, some of you may want to break out a smartphone and pull it up on your phone and people watching online, whether you're watching live or watching this on a tape, you're using technology to watch us. Uh, we appreciate you being here. We thank you for that, but don't let it stop you from being connected to a local church where you can work on your relationship with others and your relationship with Jesus. As much as we like the use of technology, at the same time, a couple weeks ago, we talked about people are avoiding coming to church because of the use of technology. They've gotten too used to just sitting at home in their pajamas, sitting on their couch where they can hit pause, go do what they want and come back and continue to watch it. So, you know, as much as we appreciate watching online, don't let it replace you being connected to a local church. 
where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and with others. So let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 21. And it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand that the Lord's, what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to a reckless living and be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word and dig into your word today, Lord, Lord, may you make my words your words, and may you open up our hearts to receive what it is you want us to receive, and may you be glorified through it all. We make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So now the entirety of Ephesians chapter 5 is actually how to walk in love. And if you go back in verse 2, it actually talks about how do you walk in love. And the rest of the chapter really digs into how we as believers should walk in love. And, and you know, how we should be that new life in Christ, you know, as we're a new believer and with this new creation. So we should walk with people and no longer be caught up in the darkness of our sin. I said, you notice I said, we shouldn't be. Although, unfortunately, a lot of us do still get caught up in that darkness of sin from day to day. Um, instead, as it said in verses 8 through 10, we're to walk as those bathed in the light of Jesus, practicing discernment. We should use discernment in everything that we do. Verses 11 through 14, we could park in these verses for months on end. Just verses 11 through 14. It says, we shouldn't participate in secret works of darkness, but instead expose them. Boy, we could camp there. We could do a whole series on that alone. I might have to think about that. Because you think about that, we, we should spend, we, like I said, we could spend a lifetime in this section. Because understand, secrets don't make friends. Let me say that again. Secrets don't make friends. When you're holding secrets and telling secrets about someone, that person is never going to become your friend. Because secrets do not make friends. And screens have made it way too easy, way too easy for things to be done in secret. You can have secret profiles. You can go online and be incognito where people can't see who you are. You can be on a screen and someone come in the room and very quick change it. Erase your history so that no one sees what you've been doing. There's so much secrets that go behind screens now. And it's crazy because... It has made it that easy. It has made it that easy for us to get caught in sin and in evil and the darkness because of screens. 
But as Christians, we're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be the light, and we need to bring things out of the darkness and into the light. So like I said, I'm not going to harp on this too much. We might have to come back and do a series on this one. Um, but the, the letter then continues to tell us in verses 15 through 16, with intention we are to walk in wisdom and make the best use of time. Walk in wisdom and make the best use of time. Okay, I failed at that this week. I don't know if I was walking in wisdom and I really didn't make a good use of my time this week. So just so you know, this is also for me, not just for you guys. <laughs> uh, it goes on and says, but the days are evil. In verses 17 and 18, say that we should put away foolishness such as drunkenness and be filled with the Spirit who will help us grow in gratitude and our ability to humbly work together. You know, so, so while we may not be dealing with the same evil that they were dealing with at the time this letter was written to, to those in Ephesus, we still deal with evil today. Um, and we should still have that same urgency that was in this letter. We should have that same urgency in, in our own life today. And I found this article of this excerpt from a book, Use Time Wisely, from Ty Beatty Anya Belay. And I probably totally messed up his name. I even wrote it out phonetically. Um, but it says this, the world we live in is not conducive to using time wisely especially for purposes of spirituality and godliness. In fact, our days are days of active evil. There are great thieves of time that are minions of the world, the flesh, and the devil. They may range in form from high-tech, socially acceptable preoccupations to simple idle talk of ungoverned thoughts. But the natural course of our minds, our bodies, our world, and our days leads us towards evil, not towards Christ-likeness. That's what the world does to us today. It automatically is, is taking us towards evil and not being Christ-like. You see, being a believer in this digital world, as, as much as we see the bad, we got to remember there's also blessings that come with it. Where a lot of technology may take us to the dark side, there's also technology that is a blessing to us. Think about this. We're able to stream online. So people can watch us either live online or watch a video later by using technology. We as a church can reach more people for Jesus Christ around the world today than at any time in history. All because of technology. We have, as I've said in the past, we have galores of Bible studies and everything else out there on the computer. We actually have the ability to communicate quickly and effectively with people today through text message, instant messenger, or emails if a prayer request comes in. Or if someone has a need and they reach out to the church, hey, I need this, we can instantly get the whole body involved in it. So technology can be used as a blessing. There are blessings that come with it. It's just how we serve to use it. And, and unfortunately, I think in times, maybe we just get a little bit distracted by it. Maybe we get distracted because we, we don't want to invest in relationships and we just get so caught up in, in the technology side of it that it distracts us from doing the blessing side of it. And we just get caught up with doing the dark side of it where we 
it distracts us from taking time with God or it takes away from our time with our neighbor or our family. And it's interesting because Arthur Noble, uh, he wrote the book Disruptive Witnesses. He actually believes that the love of our neighbors, uh, to love our neighbors well, that we must (coughs) communicate our faith and the truths of the world in such a way as to disrupt our buffered and distracted culture. So we need to communicate our faith and truths of this world in such a way that it removes the uh, distractions. He also went on to say this, our desire for efficiency and multitasking primarily through screens has hijacked our brains in a way that has made us mentally fatigued and not prepared to engage in dialogue about personally challenging ideas, particularly ones with deep implications. Think about that. We get so mentally fatigued and we would rather send somebody an email when it's a difficult situation instead of talking to them face to face because it's so much easier. It's so much easier to send a text message instead of saying, hey, you know what? I'd really like to talk with you and take some time with you personally. We would rather just send a text message or we'd rather just send an email because we want to multitask, get it done and move on, which is one way that screens has hurt us in anything else because we got to understand if we want to get into the lives of our neighbors, if we want to get into the lives of the people around us and our family, we've got to be prepared to disrupt that pattern. We've got to be prepared to disrupt the pattern of just using screens or these distractions in our lives and actually spend that face-to-face time with our neighbors or with our family and with our friends. You know, it's interesting. We've got a seven, going to be an eight-month-old puppy. She is a character. She is, wants to be the center of attention. All she ever wants is love. And she's a black lab. And like I said, she's going to be eight months old. And she hasn't grown into her paws yet because her paws are about that big. And she hasn't grown into them yet. And she probably weighs already, what, about 60 pounds, 65 pounds. Um, but but she, is this, she wants to be the center of attention. And everything is about her. Unlike the counterpart, our five-year-old Bailey, who is our Pitt Rhodesian Ridgeback mix, who is friendly and loving and can focus on something for an hour and never move. I mean, she will fo- you, you put a ball up on the countertop and she wants it, she will sit there and focus on that ball for hours and not move. To the point that even if you had a collar on her and pulled her, she'd still be sitting when she fell over because she's, she's this hyper-focused. Now, Harper on the other side, Harper is fun-loving. If it moves, it's her best friend. If she, you know, she's never met a person she didn't like. Uh, but at the same time, she gets distracted. You're out there and you're trying to teach her, sit, stay, you know, come. Trying to teach her anything like that, and a curly-tailed lizard go by, she's gone. A bird go by, she's gone. God help you if it's a squirrel, okay? So anything like that, she gets distracted, and while you're trying to teach her something, all of a sudden it's like she's gone. Now, five seconds later, she's back because she forgot what she was doing. Now, of course, I think it's interesting because I think all of us can relate to Harper. 
I think every one of us can relate to the dog Harper. We can get so distracted so quickly with, oh, squirrel, and start going this way. Instead of staying hyper-focused on something. And one of the things that I think distracts us more than anything else is that irresistible sound of a message, bing, or whatever it might be that's on your phone. Because you think about it, you could be in the middle of having a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden, bing, and you're like, oh, oh, wait, I got to, oh, I'll talk to you later. You see, it's irresistible, and we all fall for it. We all get so distracted that it takes us from spending time with people that a simple bing or ding or whatever it could be totally distracts us, which is a crying shame. Think about this. How many people first thing in the morning, what do you do? Look at your phone? Did I get any text messages? What's going on on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram? Hey, what's the crypto market doing today? See, I know some of y'all out there doing that every morning. What's the crypto market doing? We get distracted and we look to these things all the time. And unfortunately, it's, ir- it's irresistible. But as humans, we're drawn to things that give us the greatest reward. We're automatically drawn to the things that give us the greatest reward. And whatever makes us feel good or is the most interesting is where we're going to spend our time. And what's going to get the, our time. Or what will distract us from others. And see, as believers in Jesus, we should have the same sense of urgency that we go to look at a ding on our phone. We should have that same urgency to talk to people about Jesus. Anytime you see someone, that ding should be going off. I can need to talk to them about Jesus, which is way more important than a text message, an instant message, or any Facebook message you may get. Talking to someone about Jesus should be our priority. And in a lot of ways, this world is conducive to You know, we don't use our time wisely. We get stuck using screens for everything else. And like I said, we have loads of information. There is loads of information in our pockets that we can have at the just that quick. And it's good to have them resources, but man, it can be bad because it can be distracting and take us away from what we're going to, we should be doing. And with all that, you know, many have just become so distracted with technology that we neglect to really invest time in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with others because we'd rather spend time looking at Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or a TV or a computer or a fish finder. Just got to put it out there, Jerry. <laughs> but think about it. How often do you, do you look at your phone and you miss an opportunity to visit with someone else because you're too busy looking at your phone? How much time do you spend in front of a television instead of taking quality time with your significant other or your kids or grandkids or your neighbor? How much time do you spend scrolling through Facebook where you could have taken that time and spent some time digging into God's word or spending time with him through prayer? You know, they're tough questions, but we need to ask them. And you need to ask this and actually answer this question. How does your use of technology create a wall that deters people from approaching you? How does your use of technology, so in your own words, how does my use of technology deter people from wanting to come near me or talk with me? Because a lot of times you see it and we all see it, sit in a restaurant after church and look around the tables. 
and you see people all sitting there where they're eating. And then their food gets in, they got to take a picture. And I'm guilty of that because I took a picture of my liver and onions this week. And yes, I do. I like my liver and onions. Okay. So, but they'll take a picture, then they put it on Facebook, and then they're sitting there on their phone. Oh, these people like this and not having that conversation with the person across the room from you. We see it at restaurants. And if you see it in a restaurant, guess what's happening at home? They're probably not even sitting at the table together. They're probably one in the living room, couple in the bedroom. They don't actually come and have meals together. And I got to admit, one thing that my mom made sure we did, whether we were working or not, is we ate together. Dinner was at this time, and you better be there. Or you ain't eating. Next meal is breakfast, you know? And we need to get back to that because we're allowing this to distract us too much. And like I said, these are hard questions to ask. But are we getting stuck in this same thing in our own lives? Well, we were raised one way, but then we've allowed it to drift with our own kids or grandkids. And even when our kids or grandkids now come to the house, are we still making everyone sit down together? Or are you letting them all let the kids grab the iPad so they're not distracted? Well, guess what? They just got distracted from having face-to-face conversations, which are what is needed in the world today. You know, and, and they're hard. And they're, like I said, they're hard to me, but we need to be prepared to disrupt a pattern uh, of this endless distractions in our lives so that we can truly engage with others and that we can truly have that relationship with Jesus Christ and with other people. And you see in this passage from Ephesians 5, it's the instructions to walk in love and make the most of our time. So we as Christians should prayerfully consider how screens are interfering or on the other side, how they may be improving our ability to love the Lord and our neighbor. Because there is a chance for it to distract, but it's also a chance for it to improve it. You got a Bible app on your phone, it's got devotions, has all these different things. Like I said, you can use technology for a good thing. So it can help you to study God's word. You can pull up commentaries from all different theologians on your phone and dig deeper into God's word. But are you doing that or are you looking at Facebook? Choice is yours. But we need to carefully consider how it's interfering or how we can actually use them to increase our love for the Lord with all of our hearts, minds, and soul. Because we can do it either way. And perhaps in order to take up our cross daily, we may need to look at you know, putting our phone down or closing our computer because it is distracting us from loving our Lord with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And if it's keeping you from your relationship with Jesus, it's keeping you from your relationship with others. So you need to really look at your use of screens. And I kind of want to challenge you guys with two things. Two things this week. One of them is you need to own up to the fact that you do use screens. See, a lot of you maybe say, oh, it ain't me. I don't use them. Guarantee you use something. Use some type of technology every day. We all do. And it may not be Facebook. It may not be Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or anything like that. But it may be TV. It may be just spending time on Netflix. Maybe it's just spending time behind a computer screen. Or some of us are even just going to the garage and turn on the radio. 
and let it distract us from the world that's around us. Whatever it is, it's still technology and it's still a screen. And if it's distracting you from God, can it, it will also distract you from your family. Or if it's distracting you from your family, it will distract you from God. And second, I'd like to see you fast from it for 24 hours. <gasps> the pastor told me I got to fast for 24 hours. I didn't say you got to fast from food. Fast from technology for 24 hours. Now think about this. Some of you may be going, hey, no way I can do this for 24 hours. Uh-uh, pastor. You got to be kidding me. 24 hours? Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'll make a deal with you. Do it for 6 or 12. And it cannot be the 6, 8, or 12 hours that you sleep. Because I know some of you are thinking, well, good, I sleep for 8 hours a day. I'll fast for 8 hours a day. No cheating. See, I got people ready. Yeah, I was going to do that, Pastor. See, I know because I would, I, that's my first solo. I, heck, I know I'll sleep. I'll get 10 hours sleep. I can tell when I fasted for 10 hours on this day. Okay? Fasting from it while you're awake. And, and it's interesting. Some of you may be saying, hey, no way I can do this. I, no way. Well, there are people in this room, and I'm one personally, who has gone from a Thursday night through a Sunday night with no technology. No technology whatsoever. And when I say no technology, I'm talking no phone, no internet, no iPads, tablets, not even a watch, not even a clock on the wall. Zero technology whatsoever from a Thursday night all the way through a Sunday. And I literally thought the first time I did it, man, I, I can't do this. Hurricanes are playing on Saturday. How can, I can't miss my hurricanes playing, especially when they beat Alabama next week. <laughs> I can't miss my hurricanes. And, and, and as I went through this week, and I kept, you know, and, and I literally would ask, hey, do you know who won the game? No. Yeah. So I, I literally, I was going crazy. But then as the weekend, you know, it kept going by, I said, this is pretty good. To the point that after the weekend, I think I went to work for four straight days and didn't put on a watch and forgot my cell phone at home. Lily wasn't thinking about it because I wasn't on it. It made me realize that I don't need technology to live in this world. At the same time, what happened between that Thursday night and that Sunday night is when we had zero technology is the group of us that were together worked on our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with our other brothers and sisters. And it was simply amazing. And every time, and believe it, this wasn't a one-shot deal. I've done, Lord knows, 10 of them since then probably. 10 different weekends where I'll go Thursday through Sunday with zero technology. And I absolutely love it. I love it, and then I get caught right back up into using technology. Because I get back in the world, you get back to work, and all of a sudden you got to start doing emails, or you got to start doing this. And you know, I do all the social media for the church, so I got to go on Facebook because I got. <laughs> no, that's not an excuse. Um, but but you think about it. So in our own lives, as I talk about this, there, there's no doubt, and I believe there's no doubt that anyone in this room wouldn't give up something for a family member, a friend, or a loved one. 
Each one of us would give us something for a family, friend, or loved one. So think about this. If you had a family member who was an alcoholic, you would ensure there was no alcohol around when that person came near you because you wouldn't want to contribute to them their alcoholism. If your kids or grandkids were allergic to peanuts, guarantee you would not find a crumb of a peanut anywhere in your house because we would do that for a loved one. We would do that for a loved one and we're, not, we're willing to give up something for our loved ones or for our family members. But what about screens? What about technology? Would you be willing to give up technology for a family, friend, or loved one? Think about that. Would you honestly be willing to give up a screen for a family, friend, or loved one? You give up alcohol. You give up peanuts. You give up food. Would you give up a screen for a family member? And some of you are probably going, wow, that's hard. I never thought about that. But it can ultimately affect your family the same way peanuts or alcohol does. Because they're not showing that love. You're not showing that love for anyone. And Romans 14, 13 says this. Therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. Is your screen a pitfall or a stumbling block for a brother or sister? Now, you also think about this when you talk about stumbling blocks. Maybe your brother or sister has a problem with pornography. Maybe you need to sit there and look at their, you know, your kids looking at stuff they shouldn't be looking at or your grandkids looking at stuff on a screen. Maybe it's time to look at the browsing history and find out what it is or put blocks on your computer so they can't go to them type of sites. I've got a friend of mine who had an addiction with pornography. And we literally put a block on his computer that if he went to any of them sites, I automatically got a text message. I would get a text message that he was looking at a website he shouldn't have been looking at. And as soon as I got the text message, I called him. Hey, what are you doing? You ain't supposed to be on that website, are you? It was a way to be accountable. And it's, you know, it's funny because it actually, he got over his addiction and it's probably been five years since I've gotten a text message. And we still got the stuff on his computer. It's on his computer. It's on his phone. If he gets a new phone, we put it on his new phone. And it's been at least five years since I've gotten a text message. That is making sure there's not a stumbling block. And that's also bringing that darkness to light, which is what we're called to do. You know, and just because something may be culturally acceptable which we know a lot of things are culturally acceptable, but they're not acceptable in God's word. We need to watch that also because the Bible talks about us willingly giving up things uh, if it's causing spiritual harm. And it says in Matthew 5, 29 through 30, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And then it said, goes on and says, go ahead. There you go. <laughs> if you, oh, I was ahead of it. And if your right arm causes you to, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Same thing for it is better that you lose 
one of the parts of your body, then your whole body be thrown into hell. Wouldn't you rather lose a part than the whole thing? So the question, how can you better balance your use of screens on your faith journey? How can you better balance them? Are you willing to jeopardize heaven for your phone or for a screen? Think about that. Are you willing to jeopardize your chance of heaven because of some type of technology? The world might find it acceptable. We know that. The world views it as normal. This is normal. It's normal to have a screen in front of you. It's normal to have some type of technology. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. That's what we're called to do. It It don't matter if the world says it's good. Does God's word say it's good? That's what we got to look at. Here's another thought. Has your use of technology become an idol? Is it an idol in your life? Are you committing idolatry with a screen, with some use of technology? Now think about this for a second. Exodus 20, verses 3 through 5 say this. Do not have any other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, bringing the consequences of the father's inequity on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Has your screen become a God? Liturgy. Has your screen or your technology become a God in your life? Are you bowing down to worship and serve it instead of the Lord? Martin Luther actually said this. Whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. Has Facebook become an idol in your life? How many likes do they get? What about Instagram? How many followers do I have? Or Twitter? How about TV? You know, it comes a time when you got to really look and is this become an idol in my life? Do I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is I've got to look at my phone. I've got to look and see what's going on. Is it very possible it's become an idol in your life? We serve a jealous God. Don't commit idolatry just for some likes, just for some hearts on Instagram or for some followers. We need to seek God first. We need to seek his kingdom. We need to seek him with our whole heart, mind, and soul. And if it means giving up something that's distracting us, if something is distracting us, from our relationship with Jesus and others, we need to throw it away. We need to get rid of it. What changes may you need to make to better balance your life and usage of screens? Are they getting in the way of your relationship with God and your relationship with others? And it's something to truly think about. Now remember, 
Screens are good. Next week, I'm going to talk about some really good things that screens can do. But we had to get through all this first. We had to get through these things that distract us and may cause us to not love our neighbors as Jesus loved us. Because remember, that's what we're called to do. We don't love our neighbors as we love ourselves because we don't love ourselves. We love our neighbors as Jesus loved us. He pursued us and died on a cross for us. Do we pursue our neighbors that same way? Or are we just distracted and go through life without it? I'd rather watch days of our lives. Well, I need to do this instead. Yeah, I went back there days of our lives, didn't I? <laughs> I'm showing my age here, man. <laughs> I don't know what's out there nowadays. Tells you, that tells you I don't get distracted by them. <laughs> but what are you getting distracted by? Maybe you've been distracted and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've just been distracted by life in general and been distracted by these screens or everything else or distracted by thinking you got to get your life together. Understand, Jesus will accept you right where you are. And then he will transform you. Once you truly accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, he will transform your life. And if something's been distracting you from accepting him, you can come up and do that today. God's word says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. All them distractions, all them screens, all them family and friends, how they were the day you came in here, they're going to be the same way when you leave. The difference is going to be you. And hopefully, you are the difference. <clears throat> so if you've never accepted Jesus, I encourage you at, during our final worship song, come up front. I'll be over to the side. We can say the prayer of salvation and welcome you to our messed up and jacked up family. Because <clears throat> every one of us are messed up and jacked up. Or maybe you're realizing, man, I have totally been distracted. My phone my iPad, my computer, whatever it may be, has become an idol in your life. And it's distracting you from your relationship with Jesus and more importantly, your relationship with others. Maybe it's affecting your marriage or relationships that you have. And it's time to wake up and realize I need to put this down and I need to seek Jesus first. And if that's the case, you can come up here and leave it at the altar. <clears throat> leave the distraction right here so that you don't take it out the door with you. Don't leave here with the distraction. Maybe you just need to take Facebook off of phones. Anything that's so quick and easy that you can have it on your phone, take it off your phone. So the way you can look at it is when you get home. And maybe have to open up a, or turn on a computer or open up a laptop. Where it makes it a little harder to be able to look at it and see it instead of it being in the palm of your hands. Well, maybe take times and, you know, actually develop a schedule that says, I'm only going to look at it at this time. 
And like I said, I encourage you, first admit you got a problem because that's number one in everything. That is the first step of anything, admitting it. Admit that you, I use these screens and it disrupts my life with Jesus and others. And maybe it doesn't affect your life with Jesus, but it's affecting your life with others, which I'll tell you if you say that, if it's affecting your life with others, you're effect, it's affecting your life with Jesus also. Because if it's affecting life here, it's definitely affecting your life there, which should be the first and most important relationship you have. And you just got to come up and leave it here. Admit it, and then give it up fast from it. Fast from it for a day, or six hours or 12 hours in a day. And then continue to do it. And while you're fasting from it, take that time to dig into God's word. Take that time in prayer, having a conversation with our Heavenly Father, with our Abba, our Daddy. You know, I don't know what it is, but maybe you just need to come up here and say, Lord, I need to start. I need to start focusing on you instead of everything else. Heavenly Father, I raise this congregation to you. Lord, as our job is to spread the gospel. Lord, I think sometimes we get so distracted. We get distracted by screens. We get distracted by life in general. Lord, may you take those distractions out of our life. Give us the power to put them away so that we can seek you with our whole hearts, with our minds, and with our souls. And Lord, that as we work on our relationship with you, we'll continue to work on our relationship with others. And that we will remove the distractions in our lives. And Lord, if we don't remove the distractions, I ask you to remove the distractions. Take the distractions away so that we may focus on you. And Lord, we love you and make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.